Assalamu alaikum everyone. Today's episode is going to be talking about a really, really big topic that I think I can talk about for centuries, that I think I've talked about a lot in a lot of different episodes, and that is culture. Culture, culture, culture. The word that literally... It'd be starting fights in everyone's household. <laughs> you can't tell me likewise. You can't tell me the word culture and Islam in one sentence. It's like, it, it, it just gets me started, you know what I'm saying? So... What made me want to do this episode, honestly, I think it's that, first of all, it's overdue. I should have done this a long time ago. But I think now more than ever, we are all realizing, especially as teens, like how much of your upbringing and how much of your religious upbringing actually has a lot of culture involved in it. And I feel like this is like something that we just, we, we need to talk about it. Let's talk about it. So with those one-on-one calls that I do, I talked to this one girl in particular who shared really interesting things about her culture with me. And some of the things she shared me baffled me because, well, I'm Pakistani, right? My family's from Pakistan. I was born in New York. So, you know, my culture is obviously different than hers. Hers is on a complete end of the spectrum. But it was very strange because the things that I've heard from a variety of people, from a variety of cultures, it's always kind of like restricting. And I, I learned a lot about this and I wanted to talk about it. I feel like the first one being that my life, if you want to be honest with you, changed drastically when i actually started questioning every single thing people told me not in a bad way but especially when it came towards religion like whenever i used to see like okay here's the thing when you first start off getting into deen tiktok is great because if you're watching the right people you know the right dawah influencers that are you know posting good content the reliable people i i think y'all know who i'm talking about you know like they're citing their sources and whatnot it's really good you learn a lot from it and tiktok if you want to be honest with you it could be used to your advantage. Everyone says, oh, it's a haram app. You shouldn't have it anyway. Let me be honest with you. It really depends on what you watch on it. TikTok was one of the reasons that I quitted lots and lots of sins. As dramatic as it sounds, TikTok was the reason that I changed a lot. And that may sound stupid or dramatic to some people. But if you're following the right people who cite the right sources, who tell you the right things and know how to portray in a way that younger minds can understand... Like, when you see those videos on your For You page consecutively all the time, like, that stuff starts staying in your brain. And I followed really, really good people on TikTok, and they used to always post things, like, wood sources with everything, and, like, I was like, crap, like, that got a source, too. Like, I'm committing this, and this is bad, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you start, when people provide sources, it just makes it seem more grounded, right? So, on that note, I want to start off this episode with a hadith that I will round back to throughout this episode. This is number 23074. And it was reported that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Verily, you will never leave anything for the sake of Allah Almighty, but that Allah will replace it with something better for you. Now, you're going to see how this ties in with culture and a bunch of other things in a minute. I feel like one of the big things about culture is that you can't fight it. As much as you try to, and as much as a lot of people have been successful doing it, it's very, very difficult to fight it. And it's not a walk in the park. Reason being your family, your parents were raised with that same culture, with that same religious influence that had culture in it and vice versa. So your parents' parents were raised like that. So, you know, your parents' parents taught your parents like that. And since it's been like fermented for so many decades, it's like, what do you mean I'm wrong? What What do you mean this is not real? What do you mean this is not a hadith? What, what are you talking about? It's not a religion. Like, no, no, I know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's kind of like it's hard to explain to really just anyone from an older generation. It's not even about parents, just older generation period. Like that, oh, hey, maybe what you're doing, I, I've never seen a source for that. I've never seen anything liable about what you're doing. They instantly go, 
oh, I know what I'm talking about. I I've been doing this for ages. Like, trust me, like, I know what I'm talking about. I had a friend who told me her mother, her, mo her mom's sweet. But, you know, th and this is not just her mom. I I've heard this cases a lot where moms are like, I said what I said. So you're not going to tell me after that that I'm wrong. And I know what I said. I know what I said was right. You're not going to tell me that I'm wrong. And I've heard this come from so many people. So many people's moms do it. Um, and I've heard lots of cases about it. And I feel like the thing here is this. When someone tells you that you've been doing something wrong for your entire life, even if you have no source behind it, you go into such a betrayal, such like, no, 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 no. Like, it's, it's insignificant. I'm not doing anything big. Like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't view it to be as a big end of the spectrum that you, like, you're in denial about it. You're like, I'm going to continue doing it. And obviously, you know, intention matters. If you had harmful intent, like you're trying to do better, you're trying to create something new, then of course, that's not good. But then there's certain things from culture that we do and we don't even know that's wrong. I bet I do a lot of things from culture that I don't even know that's wrong. I'm still learning, right? And I feel like one of the big ones, just a little bit time, that's very hard to battle is actually hijab. Let's talk about it, though. Because some cultures, did you ever notice, like, when you go to cultural gatherings, or people from, like, you know, the same culture as you, same family as you, you know, or, like, family friends, right? And your parents will be like, oh, just don't wear your hijab there. Like, I'm not talking about my personal experience. I'm saying, like, in general, like, you know, how what I've seen. Um, people will be like, oh, don't wear your hijab there. Th there's no reason. Like, they're, like, they're close to us. They're, they're, they're shy people. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't wear it with them. Don't wear it with them. And, like, they'll constantly tell you, like, you don't have to wear it in that house. You know, like, they're all, it's fine. And it's just kind of like, huh? Where'd y'all get that from? Because it's like, there's a bunch of people there that are not, you know, mehrams. Like, they're not my mehrams. Like, even if they're older, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I should be wearing it there. But, you know, your parents on the other end of the spectrum will be like, oh, you're young. It's your child. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just some other auntie's house. You know, you don't got to worry about it. So it's kind of like, where did that come from? You know what I'm saying? When Islam tells you, you always should be covering your head. And that's something I think we all work on. Another big culture factor against religion is marriages, weddings. Let's talk about it, bestie. First one being that the actual wedding itself. Oh my god, I don't even know where to begin with this. I feel like a lot of girls don't actually have a much say in their wedding. And I mean, maybe they have a say in their partner and whatnot. But when it comes to like the function itself, like the hall, the setup, the music, the this and that. I don't think a lot of girls actually have a say in that. And I also know lots of cases where girls don't even have a say on wearing their hijab on their wedding day. I was actually reading this Instagram post once and the comments was a debate on the whole thing was just about should girls be wearing their hijab on their wedding day obviously the answer is yes obviously right because wedding that's when you should be wearing it the most like you should you should always be wearing it but wedding like yeah you need to be wearing it the comments was a debate and everyone's like this is your special day you deserve to take it off it's not that big of a deal you know you're getting married anyway it did it out like it was a really big debate people were like no 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 what are you talking about you should be wearing it on your wedding day anyway you know there's gonna be no madams there or you should have it separated like what's going on it was crazy and i was just reading the comments and i'm just like mm, what's going on here and here's my take on this my take is that you should be wearing it on your wedding day now the question comes down to how many of us girls have a choice on that very low unfortunately because the thing here is this even if your parents agree that you should be wearing a hijab on your wedding day the problem comes down to if you are a hijabi bride people are like why is she doing that why is she wearing that is she okay like people have something to say and another thing that i really recently been really looking into is have you ever seen how big pakistani they see weddings are they're humongous humongous you know our weddings originally used to be like what culturally wise like three days right three days of weddings 
now in Pakistan, they do weddings that are nearly like a month long or even like two weeks minimum. And it'll be like different events, with like different names, same events with different names, essentially, you know, like, oh, on this day, we're all going to wear white and we're going to make the, you should be doing that anyway. Oh, this is like um the special day where we're going to eat this type of sweet. So it's a party. You don't have all these people like it's just it's just extension. You know what I'm saying? Like celebrating with your girls. That's different. But like having a big thing for two weeks at a hotel every night. Like it's just kind of like I'm like, um, where'd y'all get that from? And I feel like now it's so difficult to break out of that cycle because now that it's so normal, if you don't do that, people talk about you. And it's so difficult because like. You know what? I, I've always seen this happen with, among the aunties. Honestly, aunties, I'm not trying to shame y'all, but like, aunties will sit there and say, oh, it's not, you know, they wasted so much money. It's not Pesazayakiya. If you know Urdu, you know Urdu. Okay. Basically, just saying they wasted so much money. They, you know, it was such a waste of money. They spent so much for doing what? This big function. It was such a waste of time, right? There'll be so much. They'll always talk about how it's a waste of money, waste of time, right? Then when a girl decides that she wants to do a very, very simple nikah, she. In the masjid, you know, just a small party, small local people. It becomes, oh my god, like, what was the situation? Why did she decide to do it like that? Why were they not booking a hotel? Was this not on her agreement? What was happening? I think that there's some sketchy inside business that she did that. She's probably not happy with the marriage. What do you want? Like, I never understand the spectrum. Like, people assume that girls that want a really, really simple wedding are unhappy. And I just, I feel like that's such a wrong, I mean... If we're talking culturally, there's two spectrums of it. Yes, they're unhappy or two, they're so happy about it that they just want to get it done simple and out of the way. I also don't get why people do humongous, you know, two-week weddings. Like, evil eyes real. Now, of course, Allah controls everything and whatnot. But when you're doing things that are out of Islamic culture too, it's it's so weird to me. Like, they be having literal dance parties and whatnot at the weddings. And it, it again, like, I'm not criticizing, you know, the family itself. Because, unfortunately, lots of girls, they don't have a say in this. They really don't. And a lot of people, even the people that are getting married themselves, that are setting up the function, even they sometimes despise the concept of doing it. But the problem is, is where cultural requirements come in, where it's kind of like, you have to do it. Like, you're getting married. Like, oh, you're an only daughter. You're an only son. This is your oldest child. You're getting married. Like, you have to do it. You know what I'm saying? And it's, like, the pressure. And it's also, like, if you don't do it, people are going to go on about it forever. You know what I'm saying? So, it's kind of, like, a burden that people do just to get rid of it. So, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I had a, I had a fancy wedding. Yeah, yeah. I invited everyone that I know that I don't even know that I met one time at, like, the car shop. I invited everybody. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's like, a force. So, then I feel like the actual concept of marriage is, like, gone in the dust. Because it's more like, hey... I'm showing you this is my wedding, this is how much my parents spend, this is what I can do. And it, it's, it turns into something completely different. And I think the other thing is like a lot of girls that actually don't even get to enjoy their big day because you're just thinking like, wow, that's a sin. And now I'm playing music, 400 people invited and they're all listening to it and then that and then that. It's like you don't have much of a say, but it's also like, you know, you're just doing the mental calculations. <clears throat> I knew someone recently who got married. You know, mashallah, and I hope that it goes successful for her because she's so sweet. But she wore her hijab on her wedding day. And when I saw the pictures, that was one thing I definitely talked to her about. I was like, I'm so happy that you decided to do that because it looks so good on you. And she was saying to me how she just doesn't even feel like herself without the hijab. And I was like, mashallah, mashallah, man. May Allah make us all like that. But, you know, like I was like, see, and she looked so good. And I was like, that's my point. You know what I'm getting? Like, y'all have this standard that... You know, the women, especially Desi culture, but like you got to go there, get your face beat by the parlor, bro. Beat. You're not even the same person when you leave those parlors. 
you know another thing like we talk about in islam a lot is like how marriages and things like that like they should be simple and that is something that i feel like we've completely thrown in the dust even with the discussion of like meher and stuff i just feel like that's something that we've thrown in the dust completely because it's kind of like you want to do more you want to be extravagant but a lot of the times i've noticed people that are getting married and they have these extravagant big parties are really irritated they're in the worst moods of their life because you know they've been planning this all out the hotel the this the that they spent all this money for people to come eat the food and say oh it was so bad i didn't like it it was overly salty it was overcooked like i'd much rather feed people that are like you know homeless or hungry like charity you know what i'm saying like do something better then feed a bunch of people that are going to complain about it. You get my point? It's just kind of like, mm, what you here for? Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because it's all culture. It's all culture. You don't find this in Islam. And it's so hard to break free from that. And I feel like that's one of those things that no matter what you try to do, people, the people that want to understand your perspective understand it. And the people that don't want to understand it, they just don't. And I feel like one thing that obviously always helps is being really honest about your ground and communicating and being very firm about the fact that like okay this is what i want and i'm not going to do anything outside of that now of course us as girls we can try our best to do that and of course at the end of the day you know parental or even just anyone from the older generation's pressure in regards to family that's a whole other different discussion if you don't have a say in it then inshallah you know you won't be punished for it but i feel like one thing that i want to connect with this issue is i know that a lot of girls also have you know this cultural belief that women can't be going to the mosque a lot women can't be even stepping foot outside the house women can't be getting an education i was watching this video very oh and women can't get therapy let's talk about that i was watching this very very interesting video the other day and if you guys i don't know if y'all know about this but the concept of talk therapy where you talk about things what's going on you know like you just let it out right the concept of talk therapy was actually created by a muslim it was created by muslims and i was watching the video and the lady talked about how there were literally clinics it was mind body soul wellness like it was all of them muslims back in the day never used to separate the mind and the soul they never used to separate mental health and religion because when your mental health is in check the way that you perform your religious obligations is completely different and islam is 100 in support of that and that video really talked about it's an amazing video and that i felt like was like something that a lot of people don't get and a lot of people don't really want to take in because people don't like to be associated with mental health you know the lady in the video she was talking about how there used to be khutbas where they would change the name so people would come like if the title was you know mental health crisis talk about it no one would pop up drug abuse no one would mention it no one would come because no one wants to get caught in hutbas like that although even if you whether you are drug abusing or you're not like it's still education to learn from but even when the discussion of mental health came you know mental health crisis let's talk about trauma let's talk about depression people would not come to the hutbas because no one wanted to get caught associating themselves with a crazy action with a you know group of crazy people and i think that is what's crazy the way that you think the way that you think that mental health is crazy i just feel like everyone to some degree has their own mental health problems they do you just can't tell me likewise i just feel like every single person does you can't tell me likewise and i'm gonna be brutally honest with you about something and this is gonna this isn't a fun topic to talk about in that same video that i was watching her name is dr rani i believe you can google her on go on her youtube she's such an amazing person so knowledgeable mashallah she 
releases lots of papers for Stanford and whatnot. She's very smart, mashallah. And one of her papers was actually about suicide rates. And the suicide rates within Muslims are actually double than a lot of other religions. They're higher than a lot of other religions. And I was like, ugh. And you know, the reason being is because of the way that culture comes into this. You can't tell me likewise. If you truly learn to adapt Islam in your life properly, with integrity, with honesty, and seeing what the faith says, suicide, it becomes a very rare option. It's not something that comes up to play. But it's the factor of culture, the factor of how people treat you, and all of that stuff that drowns people, literally. And one interesting thing that I took away from that video as well that I wanted to mention is that suicide is 100% preventable. 100%. People have a debate about this. People say it's not. It's 100% preventable. Because when you know that someone's about to commit suicide, there's a lot of things you can do to prevent it. And even though it may not be firsthand amazing, it may not cure everything. But when you adjust the belief into someone that you're Muslim, but that doesn't mean you can't get help. That doesn't mean you can't go to therapy. That doesn't mean you can't do, you know, mind, body, wellness, soul, whatnot. That doesn't mean you can't do those things. I feel like it makes a really big difference. But people have made it seem like you can't do that. Muslims were literally the people that created things like that. We value mental health so severely, but our culture has made it seem like there's a very big stigma around it. I read this CB, CBS news poll thing for my psychology class. And in the poll, um, there, was, there were like different percentages. So many people, I think it was nearly 60-something people. It was very high. Lots of people feel like there's a very big stigma around mental health. And regardless of how much we talk about it on social media and, you know, in these little clubs and conventions, it just seems like it's a culture that refuses to break i want to share something else really interesting with you guys that was floating around in my brain so you guys know that i do classes right and then like every month it's something different right so every month is kind of fun for me because i get to like pick a topic i get to research a you know a topic that i feel like other people also like right so i picked how to heal through a heartbreak for april because it's also ramadan and then you know heal your heart whatever right so the first week is about like quranic ayahs and healing your heart the second week is about hadiths and healing your heart and then the third week is about psychology and i read this article in regards to psychology when i was making the week three's powerpoint and i read something so interesting in there and i wanted to share it on here because it was it was pretty teeful it was kind of controversial too so a lot of people are actually against the concept of this thing called faith healing people hate the concept of faith healing reason being a lot of people a lot of psychologists say that this is nothing more than a placebo effect and it is nothing more than you manipulating your brain to imagine and assume that oh i'm healing i'm getting better yeah god will fix it for me god fixed and that's why i'm better and it's like a manipulation that you play with yourself where you don't put any tactic in it you don't put any work in it and it's nothing more than just a mere placebo manipulative effect Correct. So this is what they the article was essentially talking about. And this was so interesting that I included it in the PowerPoint I talked about it. So I'm just going to share it with y'all. So yeah, a lot of people are against faith healing. And a lot of religions, you know, obviously, if we're talking from a religious perspective, I think no matter what religion you believe in, we all believe God heals, right? I think we can all agree on that. We all believe God heals. But now here is where the things get different. Some religions, their faith is just like, oh, you know what? Like, God will heal me no matter what. Like, nothing, I don't have to do crap. God will heal me. It'll be great. You know what I'm saying? And I have faith. I have firm faith that God will do it for me. And since I have so much faith, he'll do it for me, right? And I do believe that to an extent, a part of me does kind of feel like that's more of a manipulation tactic where you're believing that I'll just get healed without doing anything. I can continue to stay in a situation that hurts me because I know God will heal me. So it's okay. And I feel like this is, 
kind of you being your own enemy. You're stabbing yourself a hundred times and then being like, God will put a bandaid on it for me and I'll stab myself again. Because at that point, it's, you know, if you're not taking an initiative, it is kind of just you manipulating yourself. And I know that may sound harsh, but that is what it is. So yeah, a lot of psychologists, they're really against the concept of faith healing because it seems nothing more like a mere manipulation and like a placebo effect because you're forcing yourself to believe that, oh, I can stab myself a hundred times, stay in the same place that hurt me, and I'll still heal because I believe in God. And this, in my opinion, yes, it is kind of like a manipulation tactic. But when you look at what Islam tells you in 13.11 in the Quran, Allah says that he will not change the condition of anyone unless they change the condition of themselves. And this completely throws in the garbage what I mentioned earlier about how psychologists like to be against the idea of faith healing because they think it's like a placebo effect. However, when we discuss Islam into the picture, it's completely different because God is specifically telling you that you have to try to make an attempt to change your own life first, whether that's through a small intention, a small action, a small habit, letting go of something, you know, just trying something small and God's help will inshallah come and he will inshallah heal you as well. So this, I feel like, really puts into perspective that faith healing has a lot to do with the faith itself. You know, like psychologists, I was reading the article and psychologists were literally going crazy about it. They were going absolutely crazy saying faith healing is the worst thing that you can do for yourself. It's manipulative. It's nothing more than a placebo effect. It's, you know, gaslighting yourself. But I think faith healing has a lot to do with the faith itself. Because if your faith is telling you that you can stab yourself a hundred times and stay in the same place and God will still heal you because you have faith, that does seem like a manipulation tactic. But in the Quran and in Islam and, you know, in the Quran in 1311, God tells us that he's not going to change the condition of anyone unless they change the condition of themselves which means you have to take the initiative to want to heal to heal you have to take the initiative to want something bad enough for god to help you you get what i'm saying how many times in life do you want something but you just don't want it bad enough you know what i'm saying i want a hundred things in my life there's so many things that i want but if i don't want it bad enough i'm not gonna get it that's just how it is why should god give me a hundred different things when i don't even want it bad enough to ask when i don't even want it bad enough to try for it a lot of people want a lot of things but the question comes down to how hard are you willing to work for it and how hard are you willing to stay on the path of god even when your duas may not get answered when things may go off how willing are you so that was a really interesting discussion and i want to tie this back again with what i began in the beginning in the discussion of culture where i stated the hadith where if you drop one thing for the sake of allah god will give you something a lot better and this comes back to that point the same junction so the question comes down to what can you do if you want me to be honest with you i feel like fighting against culture and fighting against you know the entire world and the entire society and the entire place where you live in it is very hard. It's nothing less than a jihad. It's very difficult because you are fighting against norms and morals that people have established within a religion that they feel like it's unholy to let go. Some people have these own perceptions that you have to be doing this when you're praying. You have to be doing this when you read the Quran. And I'm not talking about the actual sunnah, the Islamic evidence. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that people have added because of culture. You know, like there's some culture that said that the women, they can't even step foot at a mosque. And I'm like, what? There's genuinely some um, cultures where they're like, women should not even leave the house. They should not even be near the mosque. And if they're stepping their foot in the mosque, then their dads or their, you know, male figures are doing a very poor job of controlling them. And I'm just like, what is going on? What is going on? And this is so sad. And this is the problem. Now that this has been passed down for generations, 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 this seems like a moral value in Islam. But no. This is more of an addition. This is something that you chose to add. This is something that you have, you know, deeply devoted in your own self. Then there's some morals where they're like, girls shouldn't even be leaving the house. They shouldn't even be driving. And then people associate that with Islam. What is, what? 
this has driving has nothing to do with this so people have installed very very deep moral values and they connect it back to religion and this is a problem because in the big scheme of things you are teaching and you are passing down false information and you are you don't even know it now of course the next question comes down to what do you do right and this is my opinion i feel like fighting with the entire world in different areas different sectors about culture is nothing less than a jihad do i think that people should stand up against the culture and the religious mix that people do 100% you should when you see someone doing something that's very cultural you should point it out you should be like uh you know that ain't right that ain't right but you also have to realize that unfortunately it's very subjective there are some situations where you know when you call it out some family members are ready to cut you off some family members are ready to never talk to you again some family members are ready to kick you out the house some parents are ready to literally kick their kids out the house cuz they're like hey that's not how you do it they don't want to be corrected right and there's some situations where if you do point it out it becomes extremely awkward to the point that you're like the family ties are like breaking apart you know what i'm saying so it's like how do you find the balance what do you do if you want me to be honest, this is something that I struggle with as well. And the biggest thing that I try to tell myself, and I tell this all the time, you can't do the little things right, you can't do the big things right. You have got to start questioning every single little thing people tell you in regards to Islam. This may sound mean, this may sound weird. And by that, I mean like when people tell you, oh yeah, read this a hundred times in the day and this will happen to you. Or when people say, oh yeah, yeah, you should be reading this surah for this effect. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying question the faith and like you know all that i'm not saying to get to that deep extent that's a whole other discussion and i have talked about that before i'm talking about like your day-to-day -day routine when people tell you oh yeah you should be reading you know three pages of the quran every day because this is what happens to you well who said that you know what i'm saying you'll see a lot of things going around on social media where people will be like oh if you say this dua, um you know 50 times 55 times 32 times this will happen to you and you're like okay let me let me find a source and you realize that you won't really find a source now people have their own opinions on this some people say that always oh, it's from experience you know the experiences happen to them so it's okay and then some other scholars say that no like don't sit here and give blatant numbers and say that people should be doing this without a source so there's two ends of the spectrum i try to follow the belief that i, I just want a source for everything because i don't want to kind of end up in a hole where i'm like crap what did i do or you know like i, ju I just I, I just feel secure that way now of course is it hard for us to follow you know islamic obligations and whatnot like there's a lot of things that we're working through i am as well so i'm not gonna sit here and act like a hypocrite like we're all working through a lot of our own struggles but the one thing that i want to tell you is that the next time someone tells you oh make dua at this time and your dua will come true you have to like it, it yes there are certain times of the day where your dua is accepted but I want you to go and actually Google it. Who said this? Why did they say this? What is the proof behind this? The day you start actually searching up, like, okay, I saw this hadith on TikTok. Let me go check what this hadith actually is. Let me go check if it's like, like, like legit. Let me go type it in. So many times I read hadiths or things like that, and I'd type it in on Google, and I wouldn't find it. And I'd be like, where is it? And I'd just find a quote. I'm like, what's the number? There's nothing behind it. Then I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's definitely not legit because if you cannot even find it after typing the whole thing on google it's kind of like mm, where, where what's going on you know what i'm saying and you, you have got to start doing that you have got to start looking at every single little thing and asking yourself am i doing this because someone else told me or am i doing this because there's an actual valid source behind it this is what really helped and changed my life for a big aspect because 
culture is not a bad thing your parents can pass down the islamic you know i guess you could say the beliefs and whatnot very much correctly and there still could be flaws and they don't realize it you don't realize it it's not harmful intent you know what i'm saying but sometimes you're doing things without even knowing and sometimes those things are very very big some of those things actually root from history not from actual you know the book the hadiths the whatnot like it's concerning so you have to start asking yourself who said this where did i get this from how reliable is this you need to do that you need to because the problem that comes down is if you're going to continue living like this continue to just follow cultural traditions you know if someone says to you say this a hundred times and you know you'll be granted richness overnight and you do it and you tell the people like it's just you have to ask yourself why and the reason why is because when you have kids inshallah one day when you guys have kids or you already do have kids you're gonna pass down the same information to them and they are may may or may not never question it they're gonna pass it down to them or if you aren't gonna have kids you may pass this down to your friends you may pass this down to you know other people around you there was this one in particular that i saw all over tiktok and it was a big one and i'm not gonna say what it was or whatnot because i don't want to you know Mm -mm. but it was like something saying how from the scenes of it there was no source for it and i was like and it was everywhere like lots of people were posting it i at one point thought it was legit too and i think i reshared it and then when i realized i was like crap and i deleted it and that was one of the days and i was like uh okay i should probably be checking now again coming back to the discussion if you follow the right people on tiktok i promise you like they'll cite their sources they'll say the numbers there won't be a problem but you have got to be careful because you do not want to consecutively spread false information either through socials or through generations and i am very i'm trying my i try my very best to be careful about this because it is very very pressuring to know that okay yes some people follow me not a lot but you know what i mean like knowing that people follow you and they look at your content you want to make sure that you're trying to say whatever's right so i try to be very very brief and honest and i try to source everything in my instagram captions or whatever because i just don't want to be held liable like that and in the past you know i never thought to be a big deal may allah forgive me and may allah accept my effort because i'm not trying to you know my intention was never to do like bidda or anything like that i don't think that's anyone's intention it's an unfortunate series of events really but it's something that we all try and we should all really be careful of now when the discussion comes outside of worship when the discussion comes down to cultural marriages cultural ways of running households what do you do one thing that i feel like is so rooted in pakistani culture so rooted and i think this is really south asian period asian period but everywhere really for the most part but so much in pakistani culture is that women belong in the kitchen women should be cooking women should know how to cook and if you don't know how to cook it's like what what's wrong with you why do you not know how to cook are you like failing at life are you crazy why don't you not know how to cook and then it's like it's like uh, okay right and then it's like women belong in the kitchen women should just be cooking they should know how to take care of the whole house without ever crying out for help they should never ever say that they're tired they should never ever say that they're exhausted they should never even act like being at home is a job and that mm, it boils my blood because it's like what basis are you speaking from? Like, first of all, and the way that they will like impose this and apply it and pressure it down, like it's like a religious duty, it shocks me. Yes, women are, take care. Women, you know, are a very, very big part of households. They should 
try their best to, you know, be helpful, just like men should. We should all be trying to help and take care of one another, whatnot. You know, this is like a moral thing. You always should try to help and take care of people. But it shocks me when people are like, oh, you need to be knowing how to cook. Like, this is not a religion. Whoa, 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 whoa. This has nothing to do with that. Unfortunately, I hate to break this to you. This has nothing to do with that. Okay? That is one thing that really gets my blood because it's like, again, uh, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with knowing how to cook, knowing how to, you know, take care, sustain, take care of yourself for yourself and for your future family, help, love, care for one another's whatnot, right? But like when people make it seem like if you don't know how to cook, you're going to go to hell. I'm like, like, the silence is deafening. Like, what are you on? Like, why are you even, I don't get it. And unfortunately, sometimes it's even older women that say things like that. And it's like, you were once like 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, 25, maybe getting married. And you hated this culture. You hated the way that they always told you that. And now you're telling younger girls that because you're older, you're in your 45s. Now you know how to cook and you're telling other girls that like, why, why do they do that? Why? Why y'all do that? I don't get that. It's beyond me. Right. And it they just make it seem like if you don't know how to cook, you're going to go to hell. And it's like, I just don't get it. Because I feel like that imposition, the way that they, like, force it on women, like, well, if you don't know how to cook, you're useless. Like, you're garbage. Like, you are a waste of space on this earth. It just shocks me. Because it's kind of like, you'll be fine. I, I promise you'll be fine. Now, look, personally, I love to cook, right? I love to cook. I love to bake. I love to do those things. That is a hobby of mine, okay? I never got into cooking thinking, oh, my God, if I don't know how to cook, like, I'm going to go to hell. You know, it's the worst thing for No. If someone was to force me to cook, I would not want to cook. I'm like, let me tell, let me just tell y'all. Growing up, you know, culturally, whenever aunties were like, "Oh, you should know how to cook. You should be helping your mom. You should know how to do this," it pissed me off. It just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I, I'd be like, twelve, and they'd be like, "Oh, you don't know how to cook this meal. Like, you don't know how to cook all this." And I'm like, "Bro, like, I'm, I'm twelve. And then as I got older. When time came and, you know, I, I love to watch cooking videos and I found it fun. Then I started doing it. It was my own joy. It was my own hobby. And I did it better because it was my own hobby. Because I liked it that way. You know what I'm saying? But, like, when people trigger you into doing stuff, it just pisses me off. Because it's like, why are you even... Like, kids, will, girls will literally be, like, eight. And they'll be like, oh, my God, you don't know how to cook biryani? Oh, my God, pack it up. Just, just die right now. Like, I hate y'all. I really do. I hate people like that. Oh, Mila, forgive me. But it's just like, why do you do things like that? That's one thing. And it's just, I don't even understand where people root things like this from. Now, when the discussion, again, comes down to culture and household, I feel like, you know, I try to be as vocal as I can, especially in my household, where I'm like, mm-mm-mm-mm, Men also have to do those things. Men also know how to cook. You know, the prophet, peace be upon him, used to do all his things on his own as well. So don't try that with me. Like, I, I, I try. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think all of us were like, you know, it is what it is. So... The one thing that I always try to do is, like, I try to take notes, and I always, I always write this down, like, when I have my own house, inshallah, you know, I'm going to avoid doing this. I'm, I'm going to tell myself not to do this. And I always make sure that if I can't change the situation, I at least at my heart know that it's wrong. At least at the root of the problem, I know that, okay, this is not right. This is not acceptable. And I have to make sure that when it comes to my turn and I am in authority of a house or whatever, I won't do things like this. 
And this is one big thing that you need to remember. You have got to make that mental checklist of things that you will allow and you won't allow, especially in the future when you have more authority, especially in the future when you may be a parent, whatever it may be, you need to know what you won't and what you will allow. Because if you don't think about those things, you are going to let a train slide and the things will continue. So that's one thing that I do try to do. I'm like, yeah, that's wrong. I'm not going to take it too much to heart. And that's one thing that I always tell myself. Whenever people put cultural impositions on you and they tell you culturally that, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But Islamically, you're not. I always tell myself, don't let it get to your heart too much. I know it's hard because you do not fit into the culture standards. But listen to me, culture standards are nearly impossible to fit into. If you want to fit into the culture standards, just give up on yourself. Literally, like if you want to fit into cultural standards, they just want you to never think about yourself, never care about yourself. What's the concept of self-love? What is the concept of self-healing? That does not matter if you're trying to fit into cultural standards. They just want you to sacrifice your entire life, sacrifice your entire well-being, sacrifice everything as a woman for other people. And you see, the thing about this is that in Islam, we value mental health, emotional health, physical health a lot. For men and women. Because God has told us that this body is not ours. It's going to go back to him. We are also told that these things are very important. Even from a psychological perspective. You know your physical health plays a lot in your mental. Vice versa. So it's like you need to take care of yourself. Regardless right. No one is saying that you cannot be generous. And helpful and loving and kind. That is beautiful. And that is a quality of a Muslim. And that is things that we should be doing. My women. Even men, all of you, we should all be equivalently helping each other, caring for each other. And am I saying that men and women are equal? No. I just use the word equivalently by saying that there should be a double, you know, like a two-way. It shouldn't be just a one-way relationship. And I do want to touch base on this again because I know someone's going to like crop me out and cancel me. But when I say men and women are not equal, they're not. Because when you look at the responsibilities that God has given men and God has given women, they're different. But that does not mean that they are not worthy in regards to eyes of god you get what i'm saying we both have the same chances to go to heaven we both have the same chances to become among those that do righteous deeds there's a very big concept of fair equity in between all of this so yes equivalently people like to complain oh men have more rights than i do he has more authority y'all realize when someone has more authority than more responsibilities which means if you don't fulfill your responsibilities you have more consequences means that when you don't do when you just fall off that path right you fall off the path of lack of authority then lack of responsibility then you know consequences you're gonna have to answer to god for that oh like okay you know and men here's the thing again culturally people think oh men don't have any responsibilities men don't have anything to do men don't have to do anything and if we're talking from culturally the standards that culture has set yup but if you look at the standards that islam has set bro they have things that they need to be doing they have stuff that they should be doing they have responsibilities now it's a different thing that culture tells them oh don't do that don't do that don't do that you know you're a son you're a boy you know you're just angel on earth you know sadly that's what our aunties do but i'm telling you islamically they have responsibilities just like a woman does so this is the concept of culture that has made it seem like you know men have nothing on them they do islamically they do and if they actually start to fulfill those responsibilities, trust me, it's it, the game would be different. So yes, equity, that's key. Anyway, so remember that. You need to make a list of what you will accept and what you won't accept. Why and how come. That is key to everything. I think that's really the biggest advice that I could give you on this topic. Make a list of what you will allow, what you won't allow, especially when you come into a place where you have that chance to execute those decisions. If you can't make a change, do that. But educate yourself. Seek knowledge as to the situation. Seek knowledge as to 
why are you doing what you're doing from a daily basis? What are you doing religiously? Where does that root from? What are you doing culturally? And what where, like what basis does that lie on besides culture? Analyze those things. Realize those things. Realize that if someone's accusing you falsely from a cultural perspective, but Islamically you're right, don't let it get to your heart. Because at the end of the day, if you know that you're doing all that you can in a state of justice, you're trying your best. I hope that this episode benefited you guys. Stay safe. Assalamu alaikum.